for building, growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. We have been reading together in Galatians, the Gospel of Grace. We're going to hit the sixth chapter. And you know what I think I'll do? I'll just dive in and start reading. I'm going to read verses 6. And lastly, I'm going to give you a heads up to know where we are in case you haven't been with us. But if you have a Bible, this is Galatians 6, starting at verse 6. It's the last chapter of Galatians. But we're also um, going to have it on the screen so you see it. And right before I read it, just by way of reminder, Paul is writing a letter, this is his letter, to churches in a region called Galatia, because he's gone to that region to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ, that you can have relationship with God because Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross and then rose from the dead after he died. He gave his life for our sins, and he said... When someone asked him, how do I know the kingdom of God? He said, you can't see or know the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. The guy said, how do I do that? He said, well, when I go to the cross, you look in faith at me, and you will also enter into new life. And the message of the gospel in its simplest form is, God has gracefully given everything we need to be made right with God and have relationship with him. It is grace. It is Jesus plus nothing. Not of our works. It's His work. It's not for us to do because He's done it. This message of the gospel came to the people. They believed. They saw Christ as crucified, raised from the dead. They put their faith in Him. They were entering into glorious relationship with God. Later on, some people that we've started to call the Judaizers came into that region, false teachers, and told the church, no, 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 Paul was mistaken. You need more than just faith in Jesus. That's good. But you also need to follow some other rules, and then you'll be a better Christian. And those of you that aren't following those good rules are not as good a Christians as these. And all of a sudden, there was division. He was saying, you know what? If you really want to go all the way, follow the laws of Moses. Men get circumcised, stop eating unkosher food, follow the other things. And uh, this, this concept of works righteousness, human effort to get right with God that is at the basis of every religion in the world was being reintroduced to these people that had entered into grace. So Paul writes this message to them to say, come on, you guys. It's Jesus plus nothing. Don't fall into this trap of effort, human effort to be made with right with God. You are right with God already. You have relationship by faith in Jesus plus nothing. That is a pr- the primary message. So he talked about being under the law, which would, in his mind, in his language, was walking in the flesh and human effort. He talked about being under grace and equated that with being in the spirit. At the end of chapter 5, where we were in the last couple times, Paul said, you know, if you do follow the ways of the flesh, if you're under the law, you're going to have some obvious works. You know what it looks like. I mean, there's sexual immorality, there's drunkenness, there's division, there's fits of rage, there's all these works of the flesh that are very common from human effort. But if you're in grace and you're walking by the Spirit, you're going to have things like love and joy and peace, all these things that build for relationship, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, patience. The work of the Spirit's going to be in you, the fruit of the Spirit. So walk by the Spirit, stick and step with the Spirit. And the next thing he says, but some of you might fall into sin. 
those kind of sins that you are in the flesh. If you do, those of you that are walking in the Spirit, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. That's what relationship looks like, and we talked about that last week. So we're reading the letter. That's why I'm giving you the backdrop. Right? We're going to press right into the next thing he says, and I'm going to read it to you twice. I'm going to first read it in the New International Version, and read along with me. The next thing he said after saying y'all ought to help them out, uh, uh, help them get restored is, if anyone receives instruction in the word, he must share all good things with his instructor. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. He can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature or his flesh from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap the life of eternity, eternal life, the eternal quality of life. Let us not become weary in well-doing, in doing good, for at the proper time, eventually, we will receive a harvest of blessing. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So that's the section we're in. Now, let's read it again with the, um, what's called the message translation or the message paraphrase. A guy by the name of Eugene Peterson thought, you know what, sometimes the Bible's still hard to understand. I'm going to do a fresh translation, go back to the Greek, translate it into English, but I'm going to use common vernacular to try to grab the essence of the meaning in a more easy way to understand. So hear those words again, now from the message. Be very sure now, you've been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous, common life with those who have trained you sharing all good things that you have and that you experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, he gets a harvest, a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit doing the growth work in him, he harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued, fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time you get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people close to us in the community of faith. So now I'm going to go back and kind of just teach you those principles. And, and the emphasis is going to be this verse, this concept about you reap what you sow. Let me say something briefly, pray over our teaching time and dive into it. Um, one of the things that Paul was always accused of was, Paul, this message of grace, you tell people that they're going to sin. In fact, people started talking and gossiping about him, saying, that Paul guy, he's telling people they ought to sin so there can be more grace, because obviously your relationship with God is based on faith in Jesus. You can do whatever you want, I suppose, and he's telling you, sin all you want so there'll be more grace. So, you know, the question always comes, if you don't tell people they got to do works, what's going to happen? I mean, we've got to control people. We've got to stir them up and tell them if they don't do the right thing, they're not going to be right with God. Got to add some work somewhere. And the response is this, your relationship with God is absolutely secure because of faith in Jesus plus nothing. You cannot earn your salvation. You'll never get there, you'll just exhaust yourself and you'll become a mean person in the process. But that is not to say that your choices are without consequence. 
The law of God is good. It can tell you what you're doing is wrong. It can tell you what you're doing is right. It just can't change you. Only Jesus can change you. So when you put your faith in Jesus, he will change you. He'll forgive your sins, and he'll give you the ability from the inside out to be the kind of person who obeys the law of God. So, yes, you're right. With, well, can I, does that mean that, that, that faith in Jesus is a license to sin? Because I'd really like to live the way I want to live, but not have to deal with hell, and I want to go to heaven. Can I live that way? Well, that's, first of all, you didn't put faith in Jesus then. It's not faith in Jesus for a license to sin. It's faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to make you righteous. But secondly, secondly, what we do has consequences. If you fall into sin, it won't keep you from having a relationship with God. But sin does make you stupid. And sin does hurt you and your family and your friends. You don't believe me? Try gossiping. That's a good sin. See how that works out for your friends and family. Because many of us want to. We hear something about someone and it just so feels so good to share it, doesn't it? Doesn't it just taste good in your mouth? Can't wait to call somebody up and tell, guess what I heard about Ron Ost? I always suspected. Actually, no one uses a phone like this anymore, do they? That's how old I am. It's like this. Guess what I heard? I'm old. I used to have the curly cord connected to the wall. Try gossip and see if you don't reap what you sow. See if you don't break up friendships and lose the ability to people to trust you. See if people don't gossip about you when you gossip about others because you will reap what you sow. So let's go back. We're going to read through this and teach through it. Lord, we want your help. We believe this is the word of God, and we come to it with faith and ask that you would teach us and instruct us and grow us, help us to become more like Jesus as we study your word. Okay. So the first verse we read was this, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. That is what it sounds like probably to you. He's talking about being in partnership in the body of Christ with those who are called to teach that they ought to have income, believe it or not. And that's kind of Paul's thinking. I'm going to just quickly read you a couple of scriptures about that. Verse, um, 1 Corinthians 9, 13, Paul writes this, Don't you know those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is at the altar? That's in the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, in the same way, the Lord Jesus has commanded that those that preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So I know it's popular nowadays to say all those pastors, they ought to have just a day job and do their pastoring on the side and be bivocational, but that's actually not what the Bible teaches. Paul's just saying, you know what? Share. And by the way, he doesn't say pay them like an employee. He's saying this, he uses the word koinonia here and says, as a body, there will be those of us that God sets apart for the work of serving and ministering in the church, and we together share with them so that they can give themselves to that work that they're called to do. So he says that, and he uses often the works of agriculture, planting seeds and having them turn into plants and getting fruit. That's called sowing. If you didn't know that word, to, to sow a seed means to plant a seed. And to reap means you get fruit and you rip off the fruit and eat it, right? You, you take the fruit off the tree, sowing and reaping. So he uses that language frequently in regard to um, giving. 
financially. Here's an example. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church about giving to poor people, and he says, whoever sows sparingly, there's the agricultural language, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided to give. So he takes that same metaphor of sowing and reaping and now expands it. It's not just about finances. And he says what we read, I'll read it again, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction. Did you hear that? I've read it three times to you now because I want you to hear that. Don't be deceived. You reap what you sow. If you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you'll reap eternal life. So there's there's a, a warning and an encouragement. Your sin will find you out. If you reap sin, it'll affect you. But your, your spiritual sowing will also come and overtake you. So don't grow weary. Have confidence that the seed that you're sowing in faith, the doing of good, the studying of the Scripture, the serving the poor, the taking care of your family, it's going to produce a harvest, but it might take a while. So he says, don't become weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So whenever we have opportunity, let's do good to people because doing good to people is sowing seed. Doing good to others is sowing seed. The kind of care that Amy was leading us in, talking about, is sowing seed. Don't give up. In fact, do good to everybody, but especially those who are in the household of faith. So I'm going to take a few minutes, and I, I am watching the clock if you're worried about me, and I see that it's after 11, so we will not go very long. But I want to talk about some principles or the laws of sowing and reaping. You ready? There's a lot to say, and so I'm having to try to compress just a couple thoughts. Um, we'll see if maybe in the future we'll develop this more fully. But first law of sowing and reaping, what you sow, you reap. Duh, but maybe not duh, because we forget that. And what you don't sow, you don't reap. If you are not sowing seed into spiritual things for your spiritual life so that you will have spiritual strength. When the storms of life come, you'll look to your harvest field and all you'll see is dust and weeds. If you are not praying now, you will not have the fruits of prayer when you need it. If you are not investing in the renewing of your mind by spending time in the Word of God, then when the time of struggle comes, you'll find that you do not have a renewed mind and you don't know anything about God's position on the situations you're facing. And you'll be in trouble because you'll need something from God and you'll have nothing. You'll desperation call somebody and say, can you help me? Because my, uh, my oil lamp has no lamp oil in it. My harvest field is empty. I'm hungry and there's nothing to eat because you haven't sown. But if conversely you are sowing into your life, you will have something to reap. Also, if you reap, to, if you sow to the flesh, if the way you spend your time and your money and your energy, which is always sowing, you're sowing every day. By the way, you're sowing seed right now by studying the Word of God with me. You are sowing seed, and you will have some product from it. You'll have some produce. You'll have some fruit. If you sow to the flesh, 
If the bulk of your energy and time is watching television shows that you shouldn't be watching, reading media that you shouldn't be reading, just focusing on nothing but that which feeds your flesh, then that's where you're going to reap something, and it's going to be corruption. What a word. <laughs> Two, second law, what we experience today is largely a matter of reaping what we sowed yesterday. So if you don't like your life today, change your tomorrow by sowing seed. Enoch came up and he said, I feel like the Lord's saying we need to start dreaming again. If you're not living in your dreams today, sow the seed that will reap your dreams tomorrow. You can't change your past and you're living today in the result largely of what you did yesterday. But you can change your tomorrow. So if you don't like your today, start sowing today so your tomorrow is what you want. Does that make sense? If you would like to be a generous person and have provision in your life, and you're not that way today, and you're not having provision in your life, start giving. So the seed of giving and generosity, and you will find a heart expanding and provision coming your way. Did you know that? If you don't like the way your marriage is today, it feels dry and cold, you can change that for tomorrow. You just start sowing into your marriage. You put seed in the ground of your marriage. You put love, you put time, you put care, you put kindness. You spend time in romance. And guess what will happen tomorrow? You'll go, hmm, that's funny. My marriage is looking better. Well, it's not funny. Don't be deceived. You have what you sowed. Don't be deceived. You don't have what you didn't sow. <laughs> this is so simple. In finances, I just said that if you want provision, but I gave them this verse. This is Jesus talking. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, press it down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be given to you. Do you like the level of relationship and friendship you have in your life? Well, good. You've been sown good seed. Well, not? Oh, well, you can change tomorrow. Today, start building relationship with people. So kindness... So a phone call or a text. <laughs> so giving into relationship. So praying for those in need. Call them up, say, I heard you're hurting. I want to pray for you. Watch what happens tomorrow. You'll be surrounded by a community of love if you sow the seeds that will build a community of love in your life. Guess what? If you do not, when the time of need comes and you're in the hospital... You don't have anyone to visit you and pray for you and to make meals for your families because you're all alone because you didn't sow any seed. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What you sow, you reap. What you don't sow, you don't reap. Am I being too hard on you? What about the grace of God? Well, yes, there's the grace of God. He loves you. Your relationship with God, faith in Jesus. But that doesn't have anything to do with the normal rhythms of life in this world that he's created that does have some sowing and reaping. So sow and reap um, in the church. Do you like your church? Then you've probably been sowing good seed. Do you wish your church was different? Your community of faith? Or have you been sowing seed? Do you wish that you had an incredible, thriving children's ministry? Well, go sow seed and serve there. It's really that simple. You want to see a church community that is thriving, 
with worshipers coming out of the seams and kids that are just excited and learning about Jesus and youth that are, you know, evangelizing and they're full of passion. Guess what happened in that church? A whole bunch of people were sowing seeds and now they're reaping. That's how it works. So remember what we just read? Therefore, don't grow weary in doing what is good. Keep sowing. You will reap, especially in the community of faith. In your spiritual formation, do it. Let's see how we doing. Oh, it's 11.13 on my watch. Want to do one more? This is good to know. After sowing, there's a long delay before reaping. You know if you're a farmer and you put seed in the ground, guess what comes next? Winter. And what do you see? Dirt. And it's cold and hard. But spring is coming. And all of a sudden, the first head pops through the ground of of the grain. And a little plant comes up because you sowed seed. When you sow seed today, if you're sowing the seeds of sin, don't think you're getting away with it. I know you're not seeing any fruit yet. Don't you worry. Fruit's coming. If you're sowing seeds of righteousness and you're not seeing any fruit yet, don't you worry. It's coming. But you might have a winter to wait through. James says this, be patient Brothers, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So that's language about the coming of the Lord, but it's the language of a farmer who has to wait. Another principle, you're responsible for sowing, God's responsible for the harvest. I planted the seed, Apollo's watered, God made it grow. So neither he plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Um, you know what? I'm going to give you one more. This is important. Sowing and reaping are both individual and corporate. And what I mean by that is you not only reap the seeds you sowed, you are reaping what other people sowed, good and bad. You got abusive parents, the children reap. You got um, a spouse that's done wrong, you'll reap some pain from that. You got blessed parents and grandparents, you're going to reap the blessing of what they've sown into your life. You sow and reap, but listen to this. Though you reap the benefits and sometimes the pains of what others sown, the way you can respond in that situation is a result of what you've sown into your life. So that you rise above the circumstances of your reaping what others have sown and you have a response that's by the Spirit of God with strength and forgiveness and health that actually redeems and restores what was lost by the sowing of others. That's what Jesus did and what he calls us to do. He laid down his life. He sowed his life in righteousness. His life became a seed that was sown in the ground. He said it was going to be like a seed of wheat that has to die and be planted before it produces a harvest, but it does. So Jesus sowed his life his death, and his resurrection, and we reaped the results. We had sown sin. He reaped the results of our sin, took it on himself, sowed his life, and now we reap the results of redemption. And we get to participate in that with those around us as we're in the ministry of restoring lives. We don't get to die for their sins. 
That's Jesus' job. But we do get to be the kind of people who sowed spiritual seed until we're becoming mature, loving, filled with the Spirit kind of people who have something to give to those who are hurting, and we participate in the ministry of redemption in the lives of those around us. Does that make sense? So sowing and reaping is individual and corporate, but they overlap in the way that my individual sowing and reaping in my life will benefit you and yours mine even if I've done wrong, even if you've done wrong. We read that at the beginning when we said, you who are spiritual, restore one who's fallen into sin. Ah, and I'm out of time. So amen and amen. Paul ends this with saying, you know what? I don't want to boast in anything but Jesus Christ. His cross and his resurrection. At the cross, Jesus dealt with sin and he dealt with Satan. He broke the power of Satan and he broke the power of sin. At his resurrection, he launched the new creation. So Paul says, only one thing matters. I will boast in Jesus Christ. Only one thing matters, not circumcision, not uncircumcision, but the cross and new creation. And that's what this little cup speaks of. So we're going to celebrate communion together. And let me just read to you. Paul's words, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you can, take your, your wafer, which is in the lid of this cup. Oh, Lord, help me get it out. For this, you need the gift of nails. Fingernails. Got it. So there's a little wafer there representing the body of Christ. Let's take this and eat together, remembering the cross in which we boast that Jesus died for our sins and broke the power of Satan himself so that we are free from sin and its effects in our lives and we are free to join Jesus in stepping on the head of that serpent, free because Jesus has conquered him at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us. We eat this wafer, this bread, in remembrance of you. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's drink together the juice representing the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for shedding your lifeblood for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for your body broken that ours could be made whole. We remember your death and its power. We thank you that you've broken the power of sin. We thank you that you have conquered the evil one, Satan himself, and made a parade of him. Thank you. We praise you for this. And we, we drink together now. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.